everyone has a race to run. A race far beyond some human competition. Far beyond winning a medal. This is the race long marked out before us. The race of our lives. Will you run with a purpose? Will you finish strong? Will you run for your life? Hello, my name is Dustin Johnston. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I uh, get the opportunity to lead Life Leadership College and then oversee our next-gen ministries here. And it is an honor anytime I'm able to preach on a weekend, especially when we're in a series on my favorite New Testament book, Hebrews. I absolutely love it. And then uh, this whole series is about one chapter in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, which is really the climax of the entire book. Pastor Aaron mentioned last week that it's really this segment of this motivational speech where the author is creating for us a picture, a picture of a race. Not a short distance race, but a, a long distance marathon. Do we have any runners out here in this service? Any runners? All right, there's a few of you. All right, yeah. So last Sunday, I was a part of a 5K that our Life Kids put on to raise money for missions. Uh, now, you might have noticed that I didn't say technically that I was running the 5K. I said I was a part of a 5K. If I said I was running it, it'd be a lie, but I was a part of a 5K, which means for me that I was working the registration table, and then I was cheering everyone else on as they were running around the track. But I was a part of a 5K. You see, so I'm not lying. Like, technically, I was there a part of a 5K. Now, I want to tell you something that I observed while I was watching the 5K transpire. Uh, as the racers were getting ready to run, all of them were together like just with plastered smiles on their faces. They were super excited to be there. Uh, there was a lot of joy. It was genuine, palpable excitement. And they were stretching, getting their muscles ready, loose and limber, whatever that means. And they were ready to run that 5K. They lined up. And as soon as the word go, they just, they took off running. And there was an excitement again. Now I watched and cheered them on as they went around one lap and the second lap. And by the third lap, not everyone was smiling. Uh, some of them were grimacing. Some of them were breathing heavily as though they had gone from two lungs to one. Some of them were like holding on to their side. Some even by that time had stopped running altogether. Some were sitting in the bleachers, right? Like, who am I to like judge these people? Because I was, but I was a part of the 5K and they were, some, some were like giving up altogether, but there were still some, and it was less, that were continuing to run, that were pushing forward, that were persevering, running lap after lap after lap and continued until they reached the finish line, despite the pain. There are three types of people that I want to kind of point out uh, from that analogy that I just gave. It's a very true analogy. One is those like me that hadn't even started the race. The, those that, for whatever reason, some were working, some were handing out water or counting laps or uh, working the registration table. Some were just lazy. 
Some, uh, they, they were staying at home, right? Watching television, eating chips instead of running a 5K and raising money for missions. Some uh, had just made a decision early on in life that they wouldn't run unless something was actively chasing them. That's me. Like, unless something's actively chasing me, I'm not, I'll, I'll be a part of, but I'm not gonna run. Uh, th- that's, that's one kind of person, those that hadn't yet started the race. But at least I was present and accounted for, Right? Then there are those that finished the race no matter the cost. These were the heroes of the race. Those that continued to run, they knew what they had come for, they had trained, and they completed their goal. Those that finished the race no matter the cost. And then there's a third kind of person, those that ran but gave up. They quit early. They had a stitch in their side. The discomfort that they were experiencing was too great. And so they stopped running all together. Last week, as we started the series, Pastor talked about running the race, about making the race count, living like it matters. This week, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 12 to talk about this third type of runner that I just mentioned, the one who ran the race, but for whatever reason, the discomfort, the pain, they gave up and stopped running. So Hebrews chapter 12, remember from last week, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And then the author says, consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then we pick up here in verse four. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord's discipline, because, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. First point, if you're taking notes, you can write down that we get from this text is pain will always be present. Go ahead, take a moment, write that down. You're, You're not going to remember this days from now when you need it most. Pain will always be present. There's a lot going on in these verses that we just read, but you can kind of just look through and see these different words here. Like look at the verbiage that it's using. Struggle discipline, rebuke, chasten, none of those are feel-good verbs. Am I wrong? Do you ever think, ah, chasten? Like that's not a good, warm, warm feeling that someone gets. The Christians who originally received this message were so discouraged because they were experiencing significant social and economic persecution from neighbors, from old friends, from political leaders, and they were quickly losing hope. God, where are you? Are you not for us? Are you not with us? Do you not see that we're down here and what we're struggling with? We're hurting over here and you're not doing anything about it. How little does things change over time? Have you ever felt like this before? Have you ever felt... These same kind of feelings when pain and difficulties and hardship comes up in your life. I know a lot of people, they sign up for this whole Christian thing with the understanding that Jesus makes things easier. 
That life with Christ makes life carefree. That, that, that once you are a Christian, you are full of happiness, free of pain, only to get a week or two into this thing and realize, wait a minute, like I've been sold. So this is not what I signed up for. And some of you have been a Christian for uh, much longer than a couple of weeks. You've been a Christian for many years. And so you get that pain is a part of life, but you still question God when things don't go the way that you think they should. Or when you don't get the promotion, when you lose a loved one. And in that moment of hardship, we tend to forget this point. The pain is present. But I'll go one step further here this evening and say that pain is promised. Pain is promised for literally everyone, but especially for the believer. Look in verses five and six in our text where the author speaks of the discipline that we receive from God as our father. In these verses, you see the author of Hebrews quoting from Proverbs chapter three, speaking of the Lord's discipline and rebuke. Discipline and rebuke. Here the word discipline is not as maybe harsh as what you are uh, naturally thinking. Discipline was a common term used to describe the instruction and the correction and the training that a child would receive as they grow up. Rebuke, on the other hand, is a more aggressive form of punishment, maybe more in line with what you're thinking in regards to discipline. Whether it is the loving training of the father or the loving rebuke of the father, Both are loving and both will always be present in the life of a Christ follower. When I was growing up in Sunday school, we had a thing called the flannel graph. Does anyone know or remember being taught by a flannel graph? If you grew up in church, you might have, yeah, I see a few hands around the room. Uh, My Sunday school teacher had a flannel graph, literally a a graph, a board made of flannel, and you put other flannel pieces on there to teach some cute Bible uh, Bible story. Usually as a kid, they always had to do with animals, right? So it was uh, Daniel and the friendly lions, Jonah and the hungry well, and like they put the pictures up on the flannel graph. Uh, It was Noah and his ark, full of animals. All of the relatively tame stories of the Bible. And I don't know if you know, but there are a lot of other stories that never made it to the flannel board in Sunday school. It's it's funny that you get all of the animals getting onto the ark, but you skip over all the drowning humans off the ark. Like what kind of flannel graph would that be? I know that's uncomfortable, right? We don't like to think about those kinds of things in the Bible. But all throughout the Bible, there are so many depictions of betrayal and heartbreak, loss and adultery, broken promises, ruined plans, untimely death. And none of these make the flannel graph, but they are real. And the best thing that you and I can do when we experience pain is to acknowledge that God either causes the discomfort or he allows the discomfort. But either way, God is always in control. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God is with me. In this life, you will face pain. But that pain does not have to defeat you. Instead, you can allow your pain to challenge your perspective. That's point number two. Again, if you're taking notes, pain challenges your perspective. 
Verse seven, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Welcome to church. This is, this is nice and calm. Like you feel a lot better already, right? Just wait, we're, we're still going. Uh, endure hardship as discipline. The author is telling us that we have an option of how we are going to view the hardships that we face in life. We can either see our pain as purposeless or purposeful. Purposeless or purposeful. How do you, how do you view the hardships that you face in your life? Do you sometimes feel like God has far too much on his plate to be concerned with your small and trivial problems? Do you sometimes feel like God is involved in the macro parts of life, but he's far removed from the micro? Or maybe you feel like God really doesn't seem to care about the difficulties and the hardships that you're facing at all, because if he did, he would surely do something about it. Come on, this is church. If you can't be honest here with your emotions, with your feelings, with how you deal with pain, where are you going to be honest with these things? If any of these feelings that you had were legitimate, then your pain would be without purpose. Purposeless. Life is cruel and God is too, so why even try? You can view your hardships as such. I mean, you can, no one's, no one's stopping you. In fact, a lot of people, maybe the, the, the greater majority in this world do view their hardships as such. But what benefit does that really bring you? Like what good does that actually do for you in your life? Doesn't that just bring more feelings of hopelessness, of worthlessness, more depression? Doesn't it devalue who you are and who you're becoming? Doesn't it lead to a life of despondency, lethargy? The good news is those feelings that your pain is without purpose and that God does not care, those feelings that you have are not legitimate. I'm not trying to discredit or devalue the way that you feel. I truly do believe and know that you feel that way, that I at times feel that way. But those feelings that we have are simply not true. They're baseless. When we read the Bible, we see that God is intimately involved in every area of our lives. That he sees and he knows our pain. And we learn that God is not responsible for every difficulty and tragedy in life, but God can and will use everything to serve his purposes. Verse nine, we pick up wherever. We have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. <laughs> not at the time, but I mean, we, we now do, right? How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplined us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. 
We live in a weird day and age where young parents have become more convinced that it is more important to become their child's friend than their parents. Uh, and, and where this gets confused, then this message in Hebrews gets lost. Like, I don't have any kids yet, so I can't speak directly to some of that. But I was a kid at one time, and I was on the receiving end of discipline. And, and uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have time out. Like, when I was a kid, we had this inventive uh, behavior modification method called belt to butt. And there was no sit in the corner and think about it. Like, I would have loved to think about it. Like, please let me think about it. I would have thought hard and I, it would have been like, I, I'm sure that I, that would have corrected me. But I was there stuck trying to like stick uh, socks in my shorts so that uh, in the back of my shorts so that it would dampen the blow, right? I don't know if you had any tactics like that, but, but that's what I did. Now, whether you, and I'm not here to judge and I hope you're not judging me, you probably are, right? Like spanking, oh my goodness. But whether you spank, or uh, send to a corner to think about it, or just sternly look at your kids, expecting them to change. What, whatever your uh, route of, of punishment might be, your method of punishment might be, we understand that good parents demonstrate their love for their children by putting up boundaries and correcting them when they go off course. And the author of Hebrews is teaching us that God's correction is not a bad thing. Instead, it is one of the evidences that we are his children. And his correction will often not feel good. In the moment, it did not feel good. I mean, I'm just thinking of like my correction back in the day. There was one moment, it's not even in my notes, where I was at a school field trip, fell backwards on a cactus, came home, gave lip to my dad one night, and he spanked me afterwards. He didn't know I had fallen into a cactus, but it, it just the added pain, it didn't feel good at the time. None of it did. Except the last time my mom spanked me and I laughed, and then from there on, like we had to get correction in a different way. Um, <laughs> at the time... Of the punishment, it does not feel good. But we must remember that God's goal for our life is not our present happiness, but our permanent holiness. You might not be able to change your circumstance, but you can change your perspective on pain. You can flip the script. You can see pain as something that cripples you, or you can see pain as a catalyst for growth. It is entirely up to you. Our final point, point number three, if you're taking notes, pain produces perseverance. Pain produces perseverance. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen? <laughs> We've talked about that. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. There are two major ways that we negatively deal with pain that we face in our lives. Two, two negative ways. The first way is that we run from it. Like we run from it. You're still running, so that's good, right? You're still in a race. The bad thing is at some point you drifted to a different path. You're running a race that you were never intended to run. 
God intended for you to stay on the course that he set out for you, to face the pain, to run through the pain, knowing that you'd grow stronger as you continue the race. Instead, you left the path for the one that was easier, the one that was less painful, the one that suited you better, even though it wasn't God's best for your life. We run from it. There are two major ways that we negatively deal with pain. The second way is that we allow it to run us over. We either run from it or we allow it to run us over. This is where we stop running all together, where we lay down on the track and the pain washes us over like a crushing wave. What's your tendency? Huh? When, when, when difficulties and when hardships come your way, what is your innate response? Do you run from the pain or do you let it run you over? I've already told you kind of what I do, right? When, when anything's chasing me, I run. And so when, when, when I face painful seasons or moments in my life, my natural tendency is to become a really good athlete. Like this is the moment where I dive and I dodge and I twist and I turn to get away from the discomfort. The abnormalities of life I loathe and so I run. I tend to run away. What, what's your natural response? When you face pain, do you run from it or do you let it run you over? Thankfully, there is a third option. Tonight, I'm going to call it the Jesus way. It's not going to be a surprise what I'm about to talk about, right? Uh, the, the Jesus way. And I want to demonstrate this third and better way by drawing our attention to a single vignette of Jesus' life. It's in the Gospels. It was the night before his crucifixion. That Thursday night is the night that he was going to be betrayed. And what I could only imagine was one of Jesus's most difficult moments of life. And he went to the garden to pray. And in his prayer, he pleads with the father. If there is any other way, please take this cup from me. Basically what Jesus is saying is, if there's any other way, let's do that. Let, 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 let's do something else. God, if there's something else that we can do and still accomplish your purpose, let's go that route. Jesus knew the pain that he was going to experience within the next 24 hours. Yet he says, not my will, but yours be done. In this moment, Jesus doesn't run from pain. Jesus goes into the place of pain and he sits in it. As humans, we feel. To be human is to be an emotional creature and at times we feel deeply and not all of those emotions are positive. Even when life is for the most part good, there is this undercurrent of sadness that remains. You know what I speak of. And the human condition 
is bent to do everything it can to avoid emotional pain. So we ignore the pain. So we run from the pain. And when neither of those work, we numb the pain. And whatever cultural drug of choice that you might reach out to, when we think of numbing the pain, we often think of alcohol or, 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 or narcotics. And you, you might struggle with that. But uh, others of us the, uh, numb it in other ways from media or entertainment, social media or sex, or so many other things. Church. We use it to numb the pain. But if we, like Jesus, were to face the pain and trust that there is a greater purpose to the pain and lean in and hold on, then God will produce in us and for us a perseverance that will strengthen our feeble arms and and strengthen our weak knees and we will not be overcome. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is Jesus's words. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you hear nothing else from me here this evening, hear this, God has a purpose for your pain. And no, and no, listen, you are not your pain. You may have had a friend desert you, but you are not deserted. You may have had a spouse abandon you, but you are not abandoned. You may have failed, but you are not a failure. You may have never known your father, but you are not fatherless. Life may be crushing, but you are not crushed. Biblically speaking, It is the dark moments that become the means by which God can create good in response to evil. And God does not distance himself from you. No, he participates in it. In this life, pain is promised. You will face it. You you know it. (laughs) You, you You know this truth. You've experienced and some of you are in that season even now. You want to give up. You want to lay down. You want to let it wash over you or for others in this room. You, like me, are spending your days exhausting yourself trying to avoid the pain. But tonight I want to invite you, like Jesus, to purposefully enter into the pain to trust God and to know that although not all pain is good, God can and certainly will use all pain for his glory and for your good. The band is going to come in just a few moments to sing a song. And we're going to take a moment to kind of just sit in this. You're a forced sitting into the moment of discomfort. To acknowledge the pain. In this moment, you don't have an option of running from it. You don't have the option of ignoring it. But for the next few moments, we're going to 
remain in our seats and just spend some time in prayer. Prayer is a safe place to bring all that we are before God, to recognize that we are already naked in front of him, so we might as well talk about it. He knows your pain. He cares deeply for you. I just feel like maybe there's someone even in this room that needed those words here tonight, so I'll repeat them one more time. God cares deeply for you. No matter what it may feel like, no matter what your your circumstances might seem to indicate, no matter what your past experience might be, no matter how silent heaven might currently seem, He knows your pain and he cares deeply for you. Can we, for the next few moments, bring all that we are, including and especially our pain, to our Father this evening, knowing that he is for us, not against us, and the battle has already been won through Jesus Christ? Just bow our heads, I'll get us started and I'll pray. God, we sit in this moment. And we feel the pain. And it's uncomfortable. And it doesn't sit right with us. And we we know that that's because we were never meant to have this. We were never meant to carry this. But God, now that our world is broken and that we're in need of a savior, there is pain and there is discomfort. And so we struggle to know what to do with it. We try to carry it and it's too heavy. So we try to run from it, but we're not fast enough. So God, I pray that in these next few moments, whatever the pain might have been or what it currently is or what it soon will be, I pray that we would sit in it and that we would allow you to strengthen our arms and our legs so that we could run this race, that we would not give up and that with your power, we would continue to run. In Jesus' name we pray.